Welcome, welcome, everybody. My name is Lori H. Schwartz. I'm your friendly neighborhood tech pad, and we are broadcasting live here at NAB 2016 at the Advanced Advertising Theater. We're with our friends from voiceamerica.com, so all of this is going out live. Today's fabulous day at the Advanced Advertising Theater at NAB is all focused on the business of influencers. And I can't think of a better way to kick off this topic than to really get into what's happening on Instagram. And did you guys know that about a billion photos and videos are uploaded to the internet every day? Right, and you look tired, so I bet you you were uploading about a half a billion of those, right? <laughs> All right, well, we're going to get into a fabulous panel. We have a group of influencers, content creators, and technologists who are all enabling this and looking at new business models that are growing in this influencer space. So one of my favorite people to moderate panels is Mr. Reed Berglund from Full Bottle. And Reed has, has a, a great habit, I think, of starting businesses that really capture new social and technology models. And so he's going to tell you what he's doing with Full Bottle. Ladies Ladies and gentlemen, man versus machine, the Instagram influencer at scale. Let's have a big advanced advertising theater hand. Come on. Thank you very much. Uh, as Barry just pointed out, I think Snapchat just wrote us off. But that's okay. They're not a big company by any means. Uh, man versus machine is actually a, a very broad topic that simply looks at now uh, technology and the ability to create content at scale. But then now also, how are you linking that up and outsourcing the creation of that? So we're joined by some incredible panelists who are close friends and have been in the business of content creation or anywhere within the value chain now within the digital world that I think will bring a very interesting perspective here. Um, but before we kick it off, I'll go very, very light to establish some context. Yes, I have some slides. Don't get bored. It'll be two minutes at most. And then we'll jump into the, the topic at hand. Um, if, all right, there we go. So just quickly, uh, I'm not sure if everyone uh, had looked at Facebook's now 10-year roadmap. Um, there's some headlines that have happened within the past week and even within the past two years that I think reflect the dramatic change that we've seen. Um, simply put, live, which is now live streaming on Facebook, has turned Facebook into a brand new product completely. And then when you think of the implications with regards to Oculus Rift and virtual reality, you now have essentially put the power to broadcast within every individual's hands, yours, ours. It's extraordinary. Now, live streaming isn't necessarily revolutionary. It's been around. You've had Periscope, Meerkat, Twitch, a lot of different examples. But I think it's uh, now at the core of how we think about storytelling and content creation, but then also with the notion of data powering a lot of that. Uh, there we go. All right, so human attention span less than a goldfish, now at eight seconds. Uh, Johnny over there is at nine seconds, which is pretty extraordinary. Uh, hence the sad of a billion photos uploaded, how you actually keep track of that. I'm having a little issue on the, uh, oh, there we go. 170 times a day we're checking our phone, 72 hours of content uploaded every uh, single minute. We are having some serious issues with the clicker here. That's what a minute on the internet looks like. 1.8 million likes. Just look at how fragmented this space is. 
Anyone familiar with this guy? Hands? I mean, come on. This is before he was found, right? So he is a product of the digital generation. And that success, you guys are all too familiar with. My goodness. We're really having some issues with the... Uh... Okay, yeah, that's fine. Sold out the garden in 20 minutes. That's obviously the success that has now translated from what he started on YouTube. Okay, that's correct. So we'll actually go light on this um, just because we're having problems with the clicker. There's some other examples in here. I'm not sure. Anyone familiar with PewDiePie? All right, a few hands. PewDiePie started on YouTube recording his gameplay of massive multi-online video games and now makes $12 million a year doing it. Right? That's just a microcosm of what's happening. Okay? So I'm going to get to actually the panelists that we have here and we'll just jump into the discussion um, and at the core of it, we'll be looking at now how we're using technology to time of creation at scale. So to my right, Barry Stamos, a great friend, an incredible entrepreneur, has an amazing company called Video, which is a social curation player, um, essentially enabling the ability to now pull down a feed of any type of hashtag you can imagine and curating that experience on your website or anything you possibly imagine. Um, long long history within marketing and technology. Big, big data fan, I would say. <laughs> so he will definitely jump in from that angle. Uh, to his right, Anthony Wilcox, an incredibly talented independent director who most recently shot Shield 5, which was an Instagram thriller that he released in 28 scenes, 15 seconds at a time. Please check out at Shield 5 on Instagram. I think it's one of the most extraordinary looks at how you can take a platform and then bend the narrative and storytelling. To my left, Dean Waters, uh, who I've known, my gosh, far too long, I won't say the number of years, um, but a big, big technology media guy. We started in TV together. He has an extraordinary company now that is uh, enabling the scale of digital production um, with economies of scale, I should say, with Mark Burnett called Vimby, which stands for Video in My Backyard that has been powering a lot of probably the most viral videos that you have seen on Facebook. Uh, so Kleenex, Kleenex Cares is the hashtag most recently. Uh, you can look that up on Facebook. I think the number one video was 90 million views. Organic views, extraordinary. And then to his left, Emily Chalakian, who is a fashionista, blogger, Instagrammer, um, the foremost authority on certainly styling that I'm looking for. From, from her, but has turned now channels like Instagram into a full-time business uh, where she is producing content with brands and producing her own content. So let's jump in for a moment. Um, Anthony, just in our discussion coming into this event, uh, you mentioned that you're actually not an avid user of social media, uh, certainly Facebook or Snapchat, and Instagram was a bit of an outlier for you can you tell the audience just a little bit about what the inspiration was behind Shield 5 as you were looking at that platform? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my work history has predominantly been in, I guess, what you call more traditional filmmaking. Um, and I had recently come off the back of writing and directing my first feature film, which was a, a real labor of love and took, you know, three or four years till they actually reached 
the small number of uh, cinema screens that it did. Um, and you ca I kind of, from that, started writing my, my new film, which has now been in development for two years. And although cinema is my kind of primary love and, and um, industry, I was kind of getting frustrated with the amount of time it took to get a project off the ground. And then when you eventually did, how few people saw it in the cinema where I had intended it to be. So uh, as the user of Instagram, I was kind of aware of you know, the potential power of storytelling on that platform and was surprised that not more people had, had used it in that way. Obviously, the 15-second limit was, um, you know, quite off-putting, perhaps, but I saw the challenge and, and kind of an interesting experiment there. So I, I tried to do something, actually, which was overtly cinematic and kind of mischievously on my part, I suppose, wanting to do something that felt big and deserved to be on a, a bigger screen, but put it on the smallest screen imaginable. And it was a really satisfying process to do that reasonably quickly and, and get it out on Instagram and get this kind of immediate feedback, build an audience. Um, and so, you know, since, since going through that process with Shield 5, I'm very interested to explore ways that this kind of gap can be bridged between what is more traditional film industry um, and, and sort of allowing filmmakers and producers to discover newer platforms for, for showing their work, which are much more powerful than people realize still, I think. That actually brings up, I think, a great tension point in the industry right now. Um, you made a comment, who would have guessed that Netflix would have been producing Emmy-winning shows, original scripted shows, um, but from need and desperation rises opportunity, and it sounds like when you look at you know, traditional industries, TV, film, music for that matter, when creatives aren't getting what they need, they will move to other opportunities. Um, Dean, with, with that in mind, you've been at the forefront now of basically reimagining original production in the digital world for media companies and brands and then finding that audience organically. How did you then come upon that with Vimby? What was the first inspiration as you got into that world? Um, well, Vimby started out as a destination. We celebrated culture all over the country. Um, quickly realized how hard it was to build a destination and realized that the value of what we were doing was within our infrastructure around the country. Uh, you know, we've found that our specialty is working with real people and developing stories around real people. And, you know, if we're on point, people want to share it. I mean, authenticity wins. So you've networked um, how many videographers and production crews through how many markets at this point? Uh, we're, we're locally based in 85 cities in the country. Uh, dedicated crews, casting, producing. We, uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, English and Spanish, 14 Spanish markets. We, you know, operate in scale. I mean, that, that's, that's our differentiator. We've developed economics that are game-changing, not that, you know, individual crews and markets can't do things inexpensively, they can. But, you know, if we do a brand campaign and we shoot in 50 markets, if you look at the brand film, you can't tell the difference market to market. So, you know, we spend a ton of time in pre-production style guides. Uh, you know, it's been 10 years of inventing this model that uh, in the last two years, I would say the market has come to us in a big way where we might have been ahead of ourselves with what we wanted to do, but our passion's local. And you know, as fragmented as media is, the last thing left is local and people identify with it. So we, we've had incredibly good success. You know, we work closely with Facebook and certain campaigns. We've been able to learn about best practices. 
what moves the needle. And for us, it's, you know, we connect brands with culture. And, and you know, it, it, trying to garner share of voice in general market media, it's too expensive. Garnering share of voice within culture, it's attainable. And that's where we spend our time. Uh, you brought up a company that was quite interesting as we were coming in here called Zype. Uh, as you were looking at over-the-top distribution, and it was cost prohibitive previously, and now this company has brought that down a thousand x. It sounded like. Yeah, no, it's you know, and everybody's trying to get away from sharing revenues, right? They, people want to control their destiny, and so we're just you know working with brands, media companies about developing over-the-top approaches. And you know, six months ago, some of the stuff didn't exist. You know, we always like to say a week at Vimby is three months anywhere else because we're just always being challenged and trying to reinvent what's next. I mean, anything we do now with a brand or a media company, there's six versions for every platform. And it's not just a cut down, it's a complete, re, you know, just a re-edit based on that platform, based on best practices, based on the three-second audition, based, you know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, technology is moving so quickly and, you know, we're in the business. We don't want to build stuff. We want to partner and, you know, have alignment with people. Uh, so with that in mind, Barry, yesterday, uh, you brought up how much the, the value chain within creation to distribution to then monetization and even the data has been blurred. Uh, and I think that is a perfect example of now the economics have come down. The cost to do everything is far less, but it doesn't seem to have undermined the ability to produce quality content. But what do you think is still broken in the system right now? Yeah, no, it's a it's a good question. So, I think like historically we all can get like the last hundred years, right? Like those skyscrapers we see, businesses literally built empires based on some basic channels, right? Television, print, radio, and now of course the new channels like social media, right, are enabling you know many more rising stars with Twitch, like billion dollar valuations, like you know certain social influencers like Bieber, blowing up overnight. Um, but I don't know about you, my phone is full of fucking apps, right? Like I literally have to like follow my friends and I've got to follow social influencers and then their stuff gets buried in my feed, right? And so it seems like it's, like everything's kind of siloed and still disconnected across competing apps, websites, platforms. It's a bit chaotic. And so there's more of us that are starting to share a vision and that vision's about convergence, right? Convergence of content and co collaboration and the idea that we flip the script, right, in 2016. So it's no longer about me, me, me. It's about we, right? And so the intent is, imagine like I tune into a channel and your post joins up with my post and together we make the story better. And we're seeing that now happen with Facebook, right? Like so Snapchat live stories, I can now connect my snap with your snap, right? Right, and together we, we weave some kind of tapestry. I just, I don't know, I'm getting crazy. But, uh, but you follow, right? And so that's happening on certain platforms. We think that needs to happen to connect the dots in the ecosystem. So the technology we're creating at video kind of is aligned with that approach, but many of us are starting to align uh, so that we can you know, build each other up, so that together we stand in solidarity and the social influencers can unite with the filmmakers who can unite with like, people that are amazing at creating premium content. So the brands have a role uh, beyond just their agency relationship and media buying and like we all can kind of congregate and do something more complex simply. And I think we need that, right? Wasn't that the premise or promise of like technology? Wasn't the internet supposed to improve communication? We still have broadcasting, right? I mean, we, we need to make it more participatory, more interactive, more interconnected. 
Can I get an amen? No, just kidding. Amen, brother. <laughs> amen. Thank you. With the F-bomb and the snap. Two snaps, no oh, less. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That was outstanding. I generally channel energy from the audience, so thank you guys. Yeah, and by the way, please, questions. This is meant to be collaborative. Uh, we don't want to be a bunch of windbags just sitting up here talking about these topics. Also want to hear, I think, some of the um, pain points that you guys are experiencing in your day-to-day -day businesses, et cetera. Um, but just quickly to transition to Emily, because I think you brought up uh, an interesting point, which is uh, now sharing that story and feeds being cluttered. Emily, you've figured out a way to now monetize Instagram through fashion and beauty. If you could just tell the audience a little bit about your initial aha moment when you thought, holy cow, I can turn this into a business. Well, um, I've been blogging for a little over four years. I'm a fashion blogger. And, um, you know, I just started getting on Instagram and posting content and uh, collaborating with other influencers and um, building a following. And from there, brands started coming to me and asking me to create my own unique content for them. So, um, for example, to go off what Barry said about um, technologies collaborating together and to build something, I recently did a Target video, um, which was a Instagram and dub smash, um, you know, the, the selfie lyric thing that you do. Um, it was a collaboration between Target, Instagram, and Dub Smash, where I created my Dub Smash on um, the Dub Smash app, and then I posted it to Target. So it was a two-way street with the technologies that you know kind of collaborated and um, promoted each other, and then I also promoted Target and that beauty campaign that I was working on. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been great. I you know grown a lot in the last couple months. I think there's a really really big. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Like just like an opening for anybody that wants to create to, you know, be able to do so with all the social media that's around. And so it's folks like Emily that uh, my company saw um, that we wanted to work with, but we couldn't actually work with Emily times a thousand to now focus on a particular theme. And um, we built a marketplace that now allows us to collaborate with creators on any given topic um, globally. So in English, Spanish, or, or Portuguese, for example, uh, you think about something related to the Olympics coming up, and we can now assemble an army around that to produce still relatively high quality content. I mean, you do pretty incredible stuff. Um, but I think that that brings up another interesting point, which is now discoverability, because um, it's still, it's getting increasingly cluttered. You said the feed, Instagram just recently changed their algorithm. Uh, is that a point of excitement or is that a point of fear that now the platforms are starting to skew it more in their direction and undermining creators and publishers? And, and that's for the panel, by the way, please. Yeah, so I'll, I'll jump in and just say that. By all means. Yeah, so uh, I think platforms, and I've done work in the past, I like consulted with like Facebook and, and others, I think principally we all want a personalized experience, right? The more kind of you know about me, you've got to recognize me to be relevant and as I interact, ideally, the experience should get smarter and better, right? Fundamentally, that doesn't happen very often, right? Um, and so, you know, I'm all for updates to algorithms if they in fact improve the experience. Um, but I think closed networks or closed platforms um, are directionally not what will win uh, because you need to see me from the lens of not just on the few minutes I'm on your brand site or 
you know, on a social media platform, you need to see me from the perspective of my entire life across all channels, right? And that history, if it's leveraged and shared with others, can do wonders. I, I met the founder of Siri not long ago, and he had a, literally a 50-year vision, actually he said a 100-year vision for Siri. And he said, Siri right now is super stupid, but is gonna be very smart very soon, like within the next couple of years, where like Siri will soon know, your, know you better than you know yourself, right? And I think directionally, if we think about AI and where we're kind of reaching this like singularity, um, it's fascinating. Um, but again, what we're seeing today, I think, is what's popular, but what's popular is not what's personal. So we're going to see some interesting trends there. Well, uh, so, Dean, on that topic, um, is you are now in the business of producing organic success. Um, and you look at now Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat have basically become wall gardens, right? So they don't want people going outside of their ecosystem, and they don't want to play too nice within their sandbox. Has that undermined your ability uh, as you're now producing projects to maintain the success on a given video that you're publishing? Um, we, so we're, n we're not in the media buying side of things. So we work with agencies that are doing that. Our job is to, you know, and, and which is, you, I mean, crazy that organic traffic isn't always the biggest value to a brand. So we might have incredibly good success. But our thing is, is to find stories, find nuggets around the country that are going to be that are going to move the needle on social things that are going to be shared. You know, seed those in certain areas within influencers or whoever it might be, and, and see it move that way. Certainly, it becomes more expensive for the brands on the media side to get what they need to get. But you know, we're solely focused on developing stories that people want to watch, that they want to share, whether it's in the teacher community or the coaching community or the dog community, I mean, you know, whatever it might be is, uh, you know, just, and, and it's amazing what you see when the sharing starts. So, I mean, I think a lot of that is trying to control the advertising marketplace, right? Yeah. Of, of Facebooks and, you know, the Instagrams controlling and putting the walled garden where it becomes more challenging for media companies and you've got to spend more money. Can you give uh, some examples related to the Kleenex project that uh, you've shared with me, um, just for the audience on you know relative scale and how how you found that particular topic. Uh, and um, well, it, it you know we were fortunate enough to work with Facebook and, and Facebook you know pitched Bimby as a production resource for a campaign to Kimberly Clark, which is Kleenex. Um, we with them came up with a creative idea that we thought would work and, and what. Vimby's expertise of finding real stories with real people, with our story producers to, I mean, some of these videos are events. I mean, some of them are life-changing of bringing, bringing running water to an Indian reservation and people for the first time have, you know, or, you know, reconnecting a, a teacher with 10 years of students that haven't seen her and some of them have been widely successful. Uh, but, you know, together we've created this concept, which you know, just got renewed and it'll start again in May. Um, but about 30% of those videos um, have done a minimum of five to six million organic views and some of them upwards of 30 to 60 to 90 million. Wow, and how, how many videos were produced as part of uh, that project? We produced 32 videos last year and, and we'll do somewhat the same this year. And but another one is, you know, even with, we have a Walgreens campaign for Red Nose Day and we'll produce 50 videos in 50 states in the next three months. Um, which, again, it, it's, you know, brands' challenges, you know, how do we develop stories, be committed to social, 
tell them on a regular basis, but of course deliver the economics that we can afford, right. but maintain our brand. Sure. Like, you know, even though user-generated content and stuff that you're, you're doing is authentic to your audience, that's what they want to see, sure. but, you know, quality is driving with brands right now is they want to make sure their brands are safe um, and, and put them in the right environment. I mean, right. it's a mixture, right? Some of yeah. our stuff, they want it to look more UGC, so we make it look that way. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, Kleenex was uh, a bit of a phenomenon mm -hmm. um, and a great tool for us to discover and now going forward, we're smarter. Right. You know? it, with that in mind, back to you, Anthony, uh, you obviously did that project as an experiment, as you described to us. Um, without any anticipation of monetizing it. Is that a one-off? Or do you now think that it's enough for you to come back and have staying power? Uh, that you could potentially make money on it and it becomes a viable new channel for you to really turn? Yeah, I mean, I, I think initially one of the great appeals for, for me was the creative freedom that a platform like that allows. You know, I, I was able to go and create something with a writer specifically for this platform. Um, and, and that gave a huge amount of creative freedom. And it was a, a kind of slightly sort of perhaps naive and romantic thing of, of just wanting to tell a story. There was no, there was no other um, motivation for it. Um, and actually one of the user comments that I remember really well about sort of six or seven episodes in was, I really hope this doesn't turn out to be a giant advert for a Japanese car or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, and, 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 and the fact that I knew it wasn't going to be that, it was quite, kind, of, kind of pleased me. But um, I, I guess it's, this experience is quite new for me, so I'm, I'm working out how it could be monetized, perhaps. And I also think there has to be a willingness from these platforms to, um, you know, I'm not convinced Instagram want to be a, a platform for web series. You know, there's a lot about um, the way that we had to design stuff, which is far from ideal. Um, and if, if they wanted to change things um, in that direction, they obviously could, but I'm not convinced they, that Instagram probably want to be. Well, they just moved to uh, 60 seconds of video. Does, it, does that One now does that convince you a little more? Series, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, to me, that seems a very, very significant jump. 15 seconds is, you know, uh, to a minute, you know, they now seem to be really encouraging content, I would say, very thought through clear content, whereas 15 seconds tended to be just, you know, throw away a, a gig or what you're eating for lunch or whatever. Um, but, but now I hope that there is, you know, perhaps more invitation for, for filmmakers to use that process because, you know, 31 minute episodes is, you know, is, it could be a significant piece of drama. And you kind of think of companies like Marvel who do spin-off comics and novels or whatever. Why, why not have a, you know, a Daredevil spin-off that appears on Instagram one minute at a time? I think people would love it. That, that by the way, was my transition from high school to college. The 15 seconds to one minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love it. <laughs> we got to have some fun. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it, it, potentially, uh, and I'll throw this out there and see if it passes the, the giggle test. And, and Barry, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. But now you can look at these platforms, uh, in essence, as market research, where you can run concepts and now micro uh, productions to see if there's some staying power there. Check the data on that now to see who the potential consumer is that then would validate uh, deeper expenditure and, and certainly longer window of production. Um, would you look at your platform and some of the things that you've seen now as case studies as proof positive of, yeah. of that? No, I think, I think so. So I'll give you a fun story. So when we actually launched video, uh, 
uh, we were inspired with the original social influencer, the very late Bob Marley, right? So Bob actually has, he's top 10 celebrities on Facebook with 74 million friends, right? And so, uh, so we worked with the Bob Marley family and we actually decided that we were gonna kind of, you know, like in tribute to ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, unite the world through acts of love. Do you guys know what the number one hashtag is in the entire world? It's love. You know what the top 10 is? Fail. The content for fail is epic. The content for love, not so good. So we want to do something about that. Unite the world through like one love, one heart. Let's get together and feel all right. So that, that's beautiful. It was beautiful. And, <laughs> and, so, and so actually what we did was uh, the Bob Marley family, you know, we recorded a video of them basically sharing this vision and we put it out there and people started posting. But then what we found very quickly is that if we started to bring in what people were doing and mash that up with their request, it started like taking off, right? And we wouldn't have realized that if we weren't quickly learning through feedback loops and statistically testing and validating like the receptivity to different content. Anyway, this was cool. Within 30 days, we had over 400 million impressions. We had people participating from 211 countries. Jason Mraz, without getting paid, jumped in just because he was pulled in and felt it. Uh, just, Richard Branson just jumped for the in. Love? Just to share the to share the love. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to get together and feel all right? I, I certainly do. And and actually, my tech wasn't ready to scale fully. Right. So we had to back off. We were early stage. But it shows the potential. It's a good pressure test. Yeah, but it, it shows the potential, the promise yeah. of yeah. when we can back each other. Where we've got crowdfunding models now. People are backing each other with businesses. Yeah. Like we can get behind things. We also real quickly did. Um, uh, we got we got brought on to be the official. Um, um, fan uh, playlist for Star Wars, uniting fans across the galaxy, right? So whatever you post on social media, for hashtag the, uh, Force Awakens, the Force right? Awakens, yeah. we pull in the content from Vine, Twitter, Instagram into one dynamic playlist that's collaborative. So it's stuff like that, I think, direction, whether it's video or, you know, somewhere else, right? I mean, everything that's redoing, everything that we're all doing now can hopefully come together and we can we can play a part in, in a larger production. I, I'm curious, as it turn to the audience, where within this value chain um, each of you lies, whether you're coming to this panel uh, from a production standpoint, from a advertising standpoint, um, just a little feedback from you guys. Yeah, sir. By the way, Georgia Bulldogs. Herschel Walker, man. The best in the world. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I thought I was going to have to yell. There's, um, a, there's a mic in your nose, right? I see that. Oh, oh okay. I, I don't want to eat it. Um, as a content creator, uh, how do you put a valuation on your social engagement, especially in spaces like Facebook that are emerging markets and not existing like YouTube? That's an excellent question at the heart of actually what we're doing. So our marketplace we created because we were trying to do the same thing put a value on social content creation. And there was no standardization around pricing. So we created an eBay-like model that helps us now achieve price discovery on a project basis through a bidding process. Um, and I think that's one of the challenges right now as to why uh, social is not really been, uh, I think, treated as a viable medium and particularly influencers within that because there's no standardization, it's still very early. Um, so our platform does that pricing. It's, it's done on a cost per like basis. You have other platforms that are now driving some price discovery around flat fee production. Tongle is a good example of that, where through a competition mechanism, they're now linking you up with jobs that exist out there so that you can understand precisely. 
but you know, not all of them are great. And I, I would actually look to, to both of you. You've had experience in that space, um, certainly with stuff like Tongle uh, and other platforms like ourselves. How have you now, first Emily, discovered your value? Um, I think it's just more setting like a, a fair a fair base price. I've worked on the brand side, um, doing influencer marketing, and then obviously for Full Bottle, working on that. So um, I think just you know knowing your worth, putting into account how many times, how many hours it takes to create that content, but also uh, you know how engaged are your audience with that piece of content, and kind of putting a fair base price for that. That's the way I do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I would imagine it is project-based. So to Emily's point, the number of hours that you're putting in to develop that content, um, then also relative to the potential result. You know, how much is the consumer engaging? Uh, Dean, any advice on that front is, is in terms of how you've looked at it? Um, I, we, we, there's no standards for, for us. I mean, you can say there's a cost per minute. Uh, you know, every project is different. Every creative is different you know there's no single budget so um, it varies I mean you know we have some clients that uh, you know it's a grind every year it always changes you know so it's and it's getting more competitive for us I mean our differentiator is that we're locally based in 85 cities otherwise there's a ton of competition with what we do um, but again as local trends as stories become more valuable as, as brands want to dig deeper in the local communities and culture around the country that's where our value comes in and, and, and having a, a single solution everywhere but th it changes anthony you're doing more expensive productions right what advice or or direction would you have just just to quickly go back on something you were saying i think as a, as a filmmaker what i found very interesting about shield five and i think this is a a kind of a crossover with with um some of the kind of branding possibilities and elements but one of the most satisfying things for me was the level of investment that we found from the audience within our story and, and characters and that by releasing one episode a day we watch that build and we watch the discussion, discussions going on which you would not get in a seven minute short film or you might not even get in a, you know, a 90 minute independent feature film so that, that was really exciting for us to, to, to watch the audience kind of um, properly invest in characters in that way and, and uh, of course it would be brilliant if there was a way of, of I guess formalizing that that kind of interest and because it's 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 a sense at the moment that 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 um, feeling is strong but there's no way of actually kind of standardizing it just quickly can you share for context uh, not exact numbers but ballpark numbers on the cost of that production yeah we made that production for twelve thousand pounds which I guess is about um, I don't know twenty thousand dollars yeah it's and it was, it was 28 scenes, 15 seconds. Uh, how many cameras were part of the shoot? Uh, we had one camera. We shot across four days. One of the most complicated things logistically about the shoot was the, the number of locations that we had because what I didn't want to do was make a, a short film that was just divided up into 15 seconds. So you, you, I never wanted to have an, an episode that would be a direct continuation of the previous one. I always wanted it to be a shift into a different location or a different character. So it was kind of mimicking, um, you know, the longer form series sure. that people were used to. So it was entirely done uh, like, a, like a short film would be. Right. It was er everyone worked for expenses only and right. we had to pay for food and a few locations and- Hustling, yeah, scrap it. Hustling, exactly. There's another question. Yeah, hi. Um, <clears throat> first off, I'll answer Reed's question. I'm a 
I work for an advertising agency and we do uh, creative content producing for uh, Applebee's, Dairy Queen, some of those brands. Um, and we've had some organic success with our internal video production team. Um, I'm Are you with Barkley? Yeah. Nice. I was just in Kansas City. Oh, okay. Outstanding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious, uh, and probably specifically for Dean, how do you deal with client requests where you've had this organic success in the past and it's kind of expected and then you get ideas that are not necessarily the greatest ideas that you probably know won't, won't go organically viral. How do you deal with that and then diminishing budgets with those requests? Um, that's a great question. It's a huge sigh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, so we always have a point of view and we have brand strategists in-house. We've added a layer onto our business to not be a disruptor to the ad agency, but to give the brands and you guys the confidence that we understand the brand. So give us a chance to present some creative to you that we think would move the needle. Now, not everything's successful, but we would, even on, on the brand side, if we got to do what we love to do with telling authentic stories, we, we think there'd be more success. Um, but it's challenging. It, it, it's never, you know, I, I think if you looked at our brand films and our, because, you know, Vimby wasn't built on developing commercials for Walmart, and we've done a lot of that. It was built on finding amazing storytellers all over the country that have access to communities, that have passion points, that can tell really good stories. And with that, and again, the last 18 months, it's all, it's incredible what's happened. But I, I think brands are realizing that, one, it's not about a user-generated piece of content for certain areas. Um, it's harder to move the needle, and there's so much happening and so much fragmentation, and there's a walled garden, and you know these platforms are being controlled that it's just, it's a deep dive into what we think, what you guys think is an ad agency, and what's the best creative. Um, and we course correct too. I mean, we'll do stuff and see that we're failing. And uh, you know, there, there's, I don't know, it feels like it's still the first inning of video on the web. It's, we've been doing this for 10 years, <laughs> which is a lifetime in this business. Um, but it, it's, it's amazing how early it is still. So I mean, all the data and what's happening there for us to be smarter, I mean, it's amazing what we get to see even through Facebook as a client and Mindshare as a media agency of the type of analytics and the deep just stuff that makes us smarter. So I think it's full collaboration that makes things more effective. If, if I can just add a thought to that, um, I think that operationally, everyone within the value chain has to shit can their approach. We've been working on this archaic waterfall development, rush to a final point of concept and delivery that does not enable real-time learning. And the whole point of an agile or a Kanban process is that it is experimentation and it's predicated on failure, right? That's the only way you can continue to learn and produce better quality content. And like Barry's platform, I think is a great example. You're testing concepts, get them out there. Get them out there and I think whether it's Dairy Queen or Applebee's, there is so much precedent already. Red Bull, GoPro, who have invested in content because the lines have been blurred, right? So you can't just think that you can bang people over the head with your product because quite frankly, no one gives a shit. You have to go beyond now. It is mandatory. You, and, and I know a lot of those organizations have, there's been a, a, a changing of the guard because there is truly a difference in experience. Many executives who have never grown up in 
this world of Facebook, many of whom don't have a Facebook account, let alone a Snapchat account. So I think changing now the process of development to an iterative process where failure first, learn, and improve uh, would be the point. Was this uh, another question? Hey, hi. Uh, I'm planning a user interactive VR content. Hello. Yeah. I'm planning a user interactive VR content in advertising. So where should I release it? User interactive VR, virtual reality content. User, user, user. user interactive VR. Yeah. Oh, user interactive. Yeah. User interactive yeah. VR. Yeah. Wow. Oh, there we go. And I, I'm sorry. The question is, what should you use? How to release it? How to release it? What's the smart way to get it out there to everybody? Yeah. Well, I mean, no. I was just gonna say, I, I, I used to live in San Francisco, and now I live in Miami. So if you're Magic Leap, you don't release anything. You raise a billion dollars before you release anything, right? And everyone just types it up, and it's going to blow our minds, I hope, right? Um, There's a really good Wired uh, video yesterday that just came out, by the way, that showed kind of an inside scoop on, yeah. why, so on Magic Leap, which might be look, you know, good to look at. I, you know, I think that just goes back. I was just going to echo or continue what Reed was just sharing, right? Like, I remember back in the day as a digital marketer, being in a room full of people and there was like an intern that was like let's do like a pluck the turkey ad and someone's like what the f right like wtf and they're like yeah yeah you just sit there and click on the turkey and it goes and shows some kind of promo code they're like that's the dumbest idea ever the guy the cmo says add it to the list <laughs> guess what the number one performing ad was that year pluck the turkey whatever the heck it was called right like we're full of opinions wasn't there also right? a punch the monkey we have assumptions right like Data-driven, like data-driven, experiential. Like if you haven't read it, it's an old book, but like the Lean Startup, right? I, I couldn't function as an entrepreneur. Great My book. first company would have failed without adopting that mentality. And so there's, in that is rooted like agile methodology and it's just, it's the new way we have to work, right? And the great thing is, you can start cranking out content, your content, other people's content. I mean, people right now, I mean, followers, I can buy followers. I can buy comments, right? Yeah, so what does that mean? They're bots right? in the Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, going back to the question about like, you know, how much should I charge? Well, how many of you know, like, if you work for big companies, how much the person next to you is working? Like, there's like Glassdoor and sites now that reveal that yeah. stat. But I think, I think generally speaking, it's going to move to performance, right? It's like, I can have 300 followers, but if they all create content and share and contribute, is that more valuable than the person that has 10,000? You know, does that person that have 10,000 more valuable than the person that's got 10 million, right? It's about actual, like moving the n needle on the metrics that matter most. So there's not an answer. You need to crowdsource, you need to leverage the, the genius of the community and you need to put things to the test and allow the, the best to, to shine and rise. I, I, I would actually say put it in the hands of influencers. Yes. GoPro has done that and there you go. You now see the product at use in the wild, for better or for worse. You learn from that, and and then you find your evangelists who really get behind your product. So that is the number one thing I would do. Hopefully that answers your question. Hi, um, I'm a content creator from abroad, so I'm from the UAE, and I'm just very curious, uh, possibly for Dean, Emily. Um, we were very traditional, producing corporate videos for advertising agencies, and over the last couple of years had to move 
shift into the digital space and we launched an online channel with a group of influencers. Um, clients are now approaching influencers directly, assuming that they're coming up with all this content themselves, which isn't the case, and not quite understanding or figuring out how to fit us back into that chain when the influencer doesn't have as many ideas as they thought they would or can't produce the quality that they've been seeing on our platform. So I'm not quite sure whether that was an error on our part or how to get back into that process um, when uh, we've done such a great job of creating this content that is attracting the brands. Just not getting the credit. Exactly. <laughs> so how to, how to get back in, basically. Well, I, I mean, that's certainly something that's close to my heart, but um, Dean, Emily? I, I, I mean, I think every platform's challenge is exclusivity, right, with an influencer, which I don't think the influencer would ever give up because they want to make money too. Um, you know, we work with a company uh, that's called Isaiah, who connects brands with bloggers. And we might produce 100 videos this year with them, and we're, we do all their brand integration. So we have crews everywhere. Where any blogger is, we're there as well. And we're shooting with a food blogger with Tyson Chicken, or we're shooting, whatever it might be. So we're upping their value as a company to use our infrastructure. And again, our being locally based everywhere makes us very unique and brand standards that Isaiah has the confidence to go out to brands and say, hey, we can do this with 10 bloggers in 10 cities. And uh, so I think they found a way to up their value, partner with a company like Vimby, not trying to invent a Vimby, but let's bring Vimby into, and we will white label our services. We don't care if it's Vimby or Call Us Isaiah Productions, even though it is Vimby, but we've, we work with large media companies and we become their brand studio. And you don't even know it's Vimby, but we're powering media company studios. So. Um, you know, maybe it's, again, I don't know if you have production resources in-house, but companies like Vimby, where bloggers are everywhere, um, and, and they're finding ways to build their own business, uh, we found a way to fit into that value chain as a company to power another company that now has a really unique offering. I, don't I, I would actually say um, fire those clients and, and let them, like, by all means, go to the influencers and see if you can produce the same level of content that you're producing with us, because it's a distinctly different skill set. Unless the influencer has then also the skill set of being a producer, game over, right? You're only getting one perspective, um, I, but curious to hear what you would say, Anthony or, or Emily. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking the same thing as you. It's sort of, you, you just sort of have to sort of hand the baton over and, and say go off and do it and, and, and make people realize that they can't and 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 thereby you know you're a you, you know sort of critical part of the of the process and people can't do that pain is an incredible motivator it, you know once they have a horrible experience they will come running back or if they have a great experience you know credit to you because you were transparent and you handed off the relationship so i think it's a win-win i wouldn't worry about trying to put a uh, a fence around that any other questions or awesome questions? Thank you. How are we doing on time? Oh, we still should we uh, talk some sports? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Question for Dean: When you say I mean, we may have missed this part of the talk, when you say you're local in 85 states, how do you achieve that? Can you explain? Um, that? So we've been around for 10 years. Our 85. Um, states. Yeah, it's roughly 85, yeah. maybe 87. I mean, we're you know it, it's depending on clients, we'll scale new markets, um, and they're not. We don't consider them stringers, so they're dedicated but not exclusive. 
So over the years, we've built this network of filmmakers, uh, and our, our secret sauce is the guys that carry the cameras, right? That can tell really good stories. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a time with Walmart, we were doing 40 commercials a week in 40 markets simultaneously on a Tuesday, deliver those on air on Thursday, and we rinse and repeat every week. Mm -hmm. um, the only way to achieve that was to have filmmakers, we push post-production to the field, because we literally had approvals within 24 hours. Um, but to answer your question, we've been hard at finding unique people that can help us scale, that are good with brands in the field. You know, sometimes we'll do a project once with a brand, set the template, then we push it out everywhere through style guides and mm -hmm. you know, a ton of meat. It's almost militant of how we get it done. You know, a guy that runs a lot of our local, Ben Beatty, was on Survivor for 18 seasons. Right? He was the guy standardizing 20 cameras. Yeah. And that's what he's doing at Vimby is you know, there's companies like Tongle that are great and successful that gather stuff from the field and ideas. Everything at Vimby starts in Los Angeles, all ideation, and we push it out to the field through our trusted people. Um, and there's certain things that we do that we can work in all 85 cities and certain things that we probably have 30 cameras that can at the skill set of shooting an automotive spot. So can just... You, sorry, can you give... I'm just not familiar with Vimby or the content. Can you give an example of a piece of content that was created across that many just an example of oh, so yeah. Walmart's one yeah on a Tuesday but like what, 40 what? markets 40 commercials we do 40 interviews to show these moms are authentic okay. um, you know we got uh, Walgreens 50 states 50 stories that we're shooting right now so literally shooting a story in every state and, and using local resources what's up what's the price point on like a, a budget for like a local is that too personal or? Um, it varies. I mean, again, secret it, sauce. We that's yeah, that's the right question. We'll we'll do a taste test with you'll play with General Mills in a bunch of markets, and those could be ten thousand dollar pieces of content that be, actually become TV spots because they're so compelling. Sure. Um, but we also right now we're developing. Well, we're in the finals because it's on air. But we built America's Greatest Maker with Burnett. He has a TV show. We built the digital hub in the maker space. We've shot hundreds of stories all over the country. And those are a little bit higher end because it's Intel and they want to tell certain stories. It, just, it depends. I mean, digital could be anywhere from 3,000 to 20,000. Mm -hmm. We do TV work. As, I mean, it just depends. We make money in scale. And, and, you know, but Macy's make a wish. We shot 30 cities, 220 pieces of content in 15 hours. Um, so, it's, again, it's all standards and trusted people in the field that, that we work with that we would never ever put anybody on a brand project without testing and vetting them and letting them do their own doc locally and we'll work with them and curate that doc to get it to a place that we're satisfied and then eventually they'll work on a brand project. But it's, it's curating the network and, and having the right people. So we'll wind it down here, but um, this is actually one of the funnest parts. Uh, let's jump into the looking glass and be futurists. Go out 10 years and tell me what your morning looks like with media in 10 years? What are you using to now look at your first piece of content? Looking at it or creating it. I, yeah. I, 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 th I think what is, f is happening already and what, what is fascinating for me, and I, I sometimes think my industry is, is, is pretty archaic really and it's, it's attitudes to how it develops and, and produces and, and distributes film. But I, I think the way that technology is uh, allowing crews from all over the world and, and, and different, um, different departments from all over the production process, from editing and grading, that it, it can be worldwide, that you can sort of outsource 
a lot of stuff in the post-production way to, um, uh, to, to other countries and find the best technician possible doesn't necessarily need to live down the road. So that those, kind of, those kind of things which are continuing to like bridge the gap between, right. between the industries, I think, is fascinating for me. Barry, 30 seconds. What does your world look like in 10 uh, you years? You limit to me the 30 seconds. <laughs> um, so uh, I think you're going to wake up, and I, I literally think we're not going to be, th no computers, phones, right? I mean, literally, it will be virtual reality. Minority uh, but, but report. With, but without the headset, right? Um, you'll hit play, or you'll speak play, and it'll literally be like a, a live feed that will converge content across all networks, all platforms, and uh, we'll literally be, like, it'll tune the channel to you. So imagine actually seeing news from, like, influencers, celebrities, athletes, uh, and your mom. Wow. My mom's pretty good, actually. She's, she could beam some content. Um, yeah, I would have to say I have a very similar vision. So uh, I'll pass it over to Dean because I can't add too much to that. That was good. Um, what Barry said. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I hashtag just, what I Barry said. Vimby, uh, and we're working towards developing more IP. Um, I would love to find a way to let filmmakers make money like influencers make, and develop a platform that they can contribute, control a dashboard, do revenue sharing. Uh, Sequoia you know. just invested in uh, 90 Seconds. What's that? 90 Seconds, uh, New Zealand-based company that's now linking up filmmakers. I think they eight and a half million dollars just recently. They've so I, I don't know. I mean, my God, you know, I know. 12 months from now, let's, uh, let's predict that. You yeah. know, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah, you know, years it's going to get more time. competitive. There's a lot of smart people. <laughs> and uh, 10 years out is, I, I can't even fathom. Yeah. I mean, Emily? Uh, I agree with what Barry said, but just <laughs> having a central hub where all of my feeds and all of my social apps are kind of in one place and I could see it in a broad scale and not have to go from Instagram to Snapchat to Twitter to Facebook, but just seeing it on one broad scope yeah. and having, you know, influencers and personal people all in it combined and no ads whatsoever, please. So that's what I would do. One, one love, one heart. Let's get together yeah. and feel all right. So, so just in summary, if you take anything away from this discussion, uh, one, number one, you can now bring down your costs with outsourcing. There's no question about it. Uh, number two, your ability to uh, experiment, you know, change operationally to a, an agile approach where you focus and embrace failure. Uh, number three, data, 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 data will inform you now how to improve that as you iterate. And uh, we'll leave it with that. Anthony Wilcox, thank you very much. Please check out at Shield5 on Instagram. Extraordinary talent. We were very excited to see what some of the other projects are. Hopefully, we're working with him as well. Barry Stamos, uh, please check out video with two O's.com. Um, Fullbottle.co, you can find me at readbefree on Twitter and Instagram. Vimby.com, at Vimby Nation, Dean Waters. Emily Chalakian, the greatest handle on earth, at Stiletto Beats. At Stiletto Beats, it's with two S's though. Yeah, with two S's. So thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed it. Let's have a big hand for a fantastic panel here at the Advanced Advertising Theater. We are broadcasting live on voiceamerica.com. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear this again, all the podcasts will be on demand on Voice America. Drop your card in that bowl and I'll send you all the links.